What is happening, guys? Welcome to episode 20 of the Triage Method podcast. Here with my uh, usual guest, Mr. Patrick Farrell. How are you this week, Paddy? I am absolutely fantastic. A little bit tired today. Don't really know why. Got my nice eight hours sleep, which I generally get on Friday and Saturday versus the six hours I get midweek. But regardless, feel a little bit tired. I'm here, though, ready to get absolutely turned up with you, Gary. You're going to get turned. Good. I'm good, too. Had a good week. Feeling a little bit tired, but it's a long weekend, man. It's too easy. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about a little bit a little bit about a lot of things. In general, the theme is going to be kind of I guess outlandish claims that are made in relation to training programs, nutrition protocols, supplementation, essentially anything that sounds too good to be true. Um, because in my experience, you know, we've been doing this this whole fitness thing for a few years, and I'm still yet to find that one thing that gives me that those magical results and change, you know, the whole game, you know, fix every problem that I have. It, they just don't tend to be there. So, Paddy, what, what sort of things are you thinking around this topic that you think are important to address for people? Yeah, because you see, you do see this all the time where, I don't know, someone will come out with a new training program and they'll be like, this increased my squat by 100 pounds in six weeks or whatever it is. Or someone finds a new supplement, either a researcher finds it or someone in the, the supplement industry find some obscure herb or plant or something that has this vague research done in, I don't know, Malaysia or something, and oh, it increases your testosterone, I don't know, fucking 680%. And, or you see these dietary claims where it's like, oh, I lost X amount of weight every single week for seven years using this this dietary protocol or whatever it is. You see, you see it all the time, whether it's in the the fitness side of things like the training side of things the supplementation side of things or the nutrition side of things you've definitely come across outlandish claims and perhaps listening to this you've fallen victim to them yourself you know maybe you've fallen victim saying oh that's the training program that's going to get me x amount of muscle Uh, i have a wedding coming up or i have an event coming up and I, I need to get that training protocol because that's that's the secret. Because essentially, that's what we're all trying to do. Well, maybe not all of us trying to do, but we're trying to find that secret. We're trying to get that edge on everyone else. We're trying to get that secret protocol, that secret plan that leads us to have super ridiculous, hyper unrealistic gains in either muscle, fat loss, or health, or whatever it is that you're looking to achieve. We're all looking for the secret. And this is what you'll see a lot of in the fitness, well, the health and fitness industry, people promoting these kind of claims where it's like, oh, you, you follow me and like, here's a little tidbit, like a little bit of information here that, you know, it, it probably is somewhat correct. And it probably is, or it probably does have a place in a contextualized argument in, in certain circumstances. But for the mo- majority of people, it doesn't have an actual place. But the people promoting this kind of stuff will, like they won't contextualize it. They won't give you the context to which it actually applies. And they'll, they'll just have, they will just have a lot of like, oh, do this and this, this, this random thing, this supplement or this, this protocol. And, and they'll just post their results. And maybe they look really good. Maybe they look really shredded, really muscular, whatever it is. And they'll make it out as if this, this one thing is the secret whether it's these bcaas or this fascial stretching protocol they do or this 
super drop set technique thing that they do. It'll all come back to, oh, here's my secret. You have to buy into it to get the results you want. If you don't buy into it, you don't buy my product, don't buy my services, whatever it is, you're you're basically spinning your wheels. You might as well not even try because there's people out here getting 3,000 million percent extra results with this protocol, this plan, this whatever, and, and you're just getting normal average results. Oh, like... I wouldn't even bother. And you see this all the time, people getting really discouraged because they are putting in work and then they see these these claims and they're like, oh man, why am I getting that? Why am I getting X amount of fat loss, X amount of muscle gain and, I don't know, testosterone boosted by 6 million percent? And it can be very discouraging and you see these claims and then you're like, okay, that's what I have to buy into. That's the way forward. And then you spend all your money, you basically waste your money because at the end of the day, it's a gimmick, you know? And that's not to say that certain protocols and certain training programs, diet programs, supplements don't have a place because they, they certainly do. Maybe not all of them and maybe some of them, some of the protocols or supplements or whatever have a very limited scope, but potentially they do have a place. But for the vast majority of people listening, it's not going to apply to them. So the, the kind of things that you see a lot of are in the realms of muscle gain, fat loss, increasing testosterone, uh, dropping estrogen, uh, those kind of claims. And you'll generally see someone behind it or a company behind it promoting it with a lot of quote-unquote healthy-looking people, you know, very low body fat, quite muscular, good-looking generally, and they're kind of promoting these things. And you, you see it all the time. And unfortunately, the results you get from them don't really pan out. And I don't want to be going down the road of just like naming, this is the supplement that you should avoid. This is the the training program you should avoid. Or this is the diet that you should avoid. Like we've talked about most of those things individually in other podcasts, in posts, in the group and stuff. But you'll see a lot of stuff. Like the, the dietary one that we talked about, was it the last podcast, Gary? Yeah, the last one. Yeah, when we talked about all the different diets, it's the same kind of thing with that, where people kind of, you look at this and then there's an outlandish claim, whether it's intermittent fasting or low-carb dieting or whatever it is, and, and they'll sell you on that. Like That is the secret. And that's where people fall down. You know, they're, they're looking for the secret, and then they get sold a secret, you know? And to be quite honest, the real secret is consistency and patience. Now, obviously, both of those are irrelevant if you're pointed in the wrong direction, you know? So you do have to be aware of what is actually correct, like what is actually the the biggest driver, what's moving the needle the most, you know? And with regards to diet, it's going to be calories, you know? Forget about all the hormonal stuff, forget about all this extra fancy cellular stuff, whatever you want to go into. At the end of the day, the biggest driver is going to be calories. Is it the whole story? No, but it is quite a substantial chunk of the story, you know? Same with supplementation. Like, ask yourself, why would you need this supplement in a quote-unquote normal, healthy, uh, within the context of a normal, healthy diet, you know? There's definitely going to be supplements that perhaps you don't get enough of, you know, whether it's a, a certain mineral, a certain vitamin, whatever it is, maybe you have some sort of genetic condition where you actually need a little bit more or a little bit less of a certain nutrient. And yeah, perfect. Or perhaps you have a certain 
I don't know, hormonal value that's just slightly out of range and you're like, okay, this supplement actually does help with that a little bit and you have lab work to prove it and then you do you take that supplement and it changes your, your hormonal profile favorably in the direction that you want. And again, you have lab work to verify that, you know? And it's the same with training. If, like if you're just going to be caught in and go, oh, I'm going to do the, the newest training protocol, this random training protocol, and you're essentially program hopping, looking for that secret, you are going to be spinning your wheels. Good stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, you know, I've, I, you're, like, you're probably the same. You probably experimented, I guess, with a lot of different dietary approaches in the past, you know, see, see how different things feel and stuff. You know, I've done, you know, a ketogenic diet. I've done, you know, lower fat approaches, you know, kind of higher fat approaches that were not um, ketogenic as such, you know, really high protein diets, intermittent fasting based diets, you know, all these different things just to kind of see how they are. And I think when you go into these things with an unbiased mindset towards them, you tend to come out with, you know, a much truer rep- representation of what these things actually do. Whereas what, what a lot of people will actually do, and like sometimes they're not doing it on purpose, but they'll actually placebo themselves. Like if I go into a ketogenic diet, truly believing that it is going to change everything for me, that I'm going to be actively looking and alert for any sort of positive benefit, positive benefit that comes from that. So if I feel better one day, it's going to be like, oh, it's not going to be like, oh, I'm just in a good mood today. It's like ketogenic dieting is making me feel awesome. And it's like, it's, we start to kind of build up those statements because we want it to be true. You know, we're kind of creating our own like reality because your perception is essentially your reality. So that does apply to dieting. And it also applies to training. You know, sometimes people will kind of make some change in their training program and then they'll be looking for that effect all the way through they'll be like all right what what effect is this having i want this to be the positive outcome and then they'll find like a current photo where they look really pumped and compare it to the photo like from three months ago that that you weren't so pumped in it was poor lighting and then come up with this you know you just infer causality in that you say oh because i made this change here are my results and that's one of the things that goes on in the fitness industry so often is where people will say, I made this change and these were the results I got. So they go from this kind of very loose correlation where there's lots of other variables involved and then just infer causality and then sell something based on that. You know, And a lot of very high profile fitness personalities do this as a means of marketing in that you know, you, you've, got your guy, you've got a few guys now that really push the keto thing and they're known as the keto guys you've got people you know that push the the carnivore diet and you know they get known for that and you get known for your own specific you know thing that you stand for and then you develop a niche based on that because people are attracted to extremes like regardless of how much we talk about you know being kind of balanced in the way we discuss things people aren't really attracted to that. Like it's, it's not very marketable to say, you know, focus on calories, focus on eating a nutrient dense diet. People want the quick fix. So people like a lot of people in the fitness industry then that have like hundreds and thousands of millions of followers, even they will leverage that in order to build their own niche, build their own trust. And then, you know, it's, it's also very easy. If you, let's say you have a hundred thousand people that follow your protocol, if a hundred of them get unreal, ridiculous results, then you can just post that. And even though it's one in a thousand people, you just post those people's results and then you show that to the rest of the world and then everyone else is like, that's what I need to be doing. I need to do that right now. So it is really something you kind of have to be aware of. You have to be aware of how people 
either you know maybe manipulate data or, or you know mix up correlations and causations but also just you know what they actually show you like are they showing you the whole story or are they just showing you what they want to show you yeah and that, that's a very good point about like placeboing yourself like if you are looking to do like we were saying like well you said both of us have done which yeah i agree with like play around with your diet you know look at how different variables actually affect you long term and how it affects your body composition health performance all that kind of jazz like you actually need to do it almost like a scientific study and if you are on your way to losing weight or you have a goal in mind of losing weight and you're like, oh, I have to be ready by X date, you know, like that is not the time to be playing around with all these extra variables, you know, because you're not going to give it a true representation. Like, yes, it may be the secret. It may be the perfect dieting protocol for you to actually get long-term results, blah, 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 whatever it is. Perfect. But when you have a deadline, that's not the time to be experimenting with that stuff. You know, like the, the time to experiment is when you have a lot of time where, OK, I don't really mind if it, if this new diet protocol actually fucks me up a little bit and it, it's not actually giving me the results that I think it will or I want it to. You know, that's not a, it, that that's perfectly fine. But if you're doing it, and you're like, oh, I have four weeks to lose 20 pounds. Like that's that is not the time to be doing this random diet that, you know, it might work or it might be fucking shit, you know. So you do have to take that into account. Like you are going to placebo yourself into getting results if you fully buy into a program. Right. So you do have to be very impartial with your your thought processes and your collection of data you know so like you have to you can't just go from say not tracking any calories just freely eating eating whatever you want whenever it comes to your mouth you know some days you're on five thousand calories some days you're on one thousand calories it's just mishy mashy all over the place and then you go on to a keto diet and you're like oh i have to be aware of my protein intake i'm dropping out all these carbs and i'm, I'm not really sure of a huge amount of fat source that are okay and, and essentially just spontaneously reduce your calories like you can't go from doing nothing to doing an extreme and then go oh it was keto that got me all the results whereas you would have got those results if you had actually just tracked your calories and done a more moderate approach to the overall diet you know so you have to be aware of what are you actually tracking and how are you actually correlating the data and is that actually the causation of the effects you know so do be aware of that. And this is very, very true of supplementation. You know, people will make these outlandish claims, you know, they'll be like, oh, this supplement over here, again, like testosterone is always the one because that's really easy marketing or easy marketing to, you know, young guys or whatever because, you know, they, you know they're not going to do any blood work. You know that they know there's some correlation with testosterone and muscle mass and body fat. So they're aware of some sort of vague science and they know people that go on steroids get great results and like they're aware of that. So if you sell them this product and it's like, oh, this natural product, it increases your testosterone by 500%, like they will placebo themselves into feeling better. You know, they, they're, they're definitely not getting blood work done before they start taking the, the supplement and then getting blood work done at the end of a month, two months, three months of taking that supplement. Like they're not doing that. So all of those anecdotal responses being like oh yeah like i i really felt it you know i felt a little bit of extra aggression in the gym and you know i think muscle was easier to build it's like this is all just anecdotal like unless you are getting 
actual blood work done you're not going to be able to see that and even like if you do get blood work done it's a very complex thing and you have to really like dive into all the other variables that are going on you know and so you have to be very aware of what are you actually tracking with regard to being able to correlate the changes you make and then the end result you know so if you are one to want to experiment, that is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to, you know, if it's if it's a diet, you're going to have to take before and after body composition measurements, whether it's using a calipers by the same person at the same time of day, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. Um, whether it's calipers, you know, bioimpedance, you know, even just scales, uh, like you have to be tracking before that. Like you can't just go from doing nothing to doing something. Like it, it, it has to be like, what is my... What is the baseline? It, would tracking just calories get me results? Would upping my protein, like if I keep my calories the exact same and I up my protein and I don't know, decrease my fats, how does that affect the variables? Keeping activity the same, keeping resistance training the same, keeping every other variable the same. You know, you can't just change a whole load of variables and then try to decipher which is the, the causative variable because that's what people actually try to do. They change everything all at once. They new diet, new exercise routine, new lifestyle, new supplementation protocol. And then they're like, oh man, I feel awesome. It's definitely this zinc supplement that I'm taking. You know, and it's like, like you've changed everything. How, how can you dial it into that zinc supplement you know and the same thing again like we were saying like you will you will placebo yourself into results like if you get this whatever supplement or diet protocol and you're like this is going to be the answer like you're going to feel like it's the answer you're going to stick to that harder for longer whatever it is because you are fully bought in you've spent the 50 60 70 80 euro whatever it is on that supplement or diet protocol or whatever it is and you're going man i need to get results from this because i've spent money there's skin in the game so you put in the work whereas before on diets on supplement regimes or whatever it is you just haven't put in the work you know you just you haven't actually stuck to it and you've like your four-day training program you're like oh sometimes i get three of the four days and sometimes i only get two it's like you haven't actually stuck to it and now that you've been told like here's the x super duper extreme mass gainer program all of a sudden you're sticking to the four days. And again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Like if that, if buying this new program, this super duper shredder program actually gets you to stick to training and enjoy it, more power to it, man. I don't care about that. But if you are being sold a lie and you are being sold, you know, extremely expensive program or diet protocol or supplementation, like you do have to kind of, on yourself read between the lines you know actually ask like it's so easy these days like the internet is there like you could go onto just hundreds of different types of message boards and you can just type in a supplement whatever it is or a diet whatever it is see what all the people are saying don't just go with the ones that you know confirm your bias like if you like gary was saying with keto if you go to this keto forum like obviously they're all going to say keto is awesome and you'll see this as well like Anyone that then disagrees with them on the forum where they're like, oh, you know, my results weren't great. I felt like shit, blah, blah, blah. Like they basically get blasted out of that forum and it's like, oh no, fuck off. Like you're, you're the exception to the rule rather than being, you know, 50% of the population. So search through a few forums, search through a few different 
people that you respect in the industry, see what they have to say about X supplement, X training protocol, X diet, and then bring it into your life, I suppose you would say, you know? So you do have to be quite on top of everything to really make an accurate assessment, you know? And just blindly listening to your famous Instagram star is probably not the best thing to get your information from. But also at the same time, just blindly listening to your favorite scientists in the exercise, health, nutrition realm probably isn't the best thing. Like even in our group, like we we suggest everyone like question us. Like it's not just us being gurus and being like, here's the information. It's like, here's the information as we see it. And that's how like the you'll see the, the, the best researchers and stuff. They'll be like, this is the context that surrounds it. This is my kind of opinion on it. This is what the research says. So you do have to take that into account. Who are you getting the information from? What is their bias? You know, maybe they're funded, like they're they're sponsored by I don't know the supplement company that they're they're selling, you know, the, the BCAAs from or whatever it is. You know, so you do have to take that into account. It's very hard to get an accurate assessment of the correlation and causation stuff unless you are being very fastidious with your actual tracking of everything. Yeah, and and I think a big part of it is, and kind of something we discussed in the group as well, is people not really, you know, discuss, you know, pe- people have a give mechanistic expl- explanations for things that are simply wrong, you know, like, and, and it's very easy to kind of convince people that way. Like, you know, low carb dieting is one of the classic ones because like, if you consider the physiology involved in, you know, fat loss and stuff, it's very easy to make a lot of, you know, things that happen when you go on a low carb diet or that might happen. It's easy to make them sound favorable in favor of fat loss. So for example, if I was to say to my mom or my sister or someone who isn't very, you know, literate when it comes to the the science of fitness and stuff, if I was to say to them that, you know, insulin is a fat storage hormone and when you eat carbohydrates, you get the greatest insulin response and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just saying that is like, oh, whoa, 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 that's a, that's it's clearly the carbohydrates and the insulin that lead to fat gain. So and it's like it actually leaves out a big part of the puzzle. So it's kind of it, it's it's pseudoscience in its purest form because you're essentially just manipulating science to suit your bias. And you know another example would be when people try to justify workouts or diet plans based on fat burning. So they'll say that you know this leads to greater fat burning, and it's like okay, but that doesn't equate to fat loss but to the person who you're speaking to who might be you know very scientifically illiterate if they just hear you say oh it increases fat ox- it increases fat oxidation or whatever it's like that's enough for them to then believe you get that buy-in and then you know buy your product or stick your diet or whatever and, and it, it fails to acknowledge the the kind of full context that's involved so it is important to be clear on the mechanisms that lead to the adaptation that you were looking for. So when it comes to fat loss, we know like very clearly that it is the calorie deficit, the deficit of energy that leads to you losing body fat. Like that is the big driver, all the underlying physiology. It's helpful to understand it if you're a trainer, but the average person, do you need to understand it? No, you don't. But what trainers will do, they will kind of manipulate bits and pieces to justify a certain supplement or to justify, you know, a certain dietary protocol. Like another one is, is, you know, 
L-carnitine, one of the su- a supplements. People will say get a loose understanding of what you know carnitine does in the body, and they'll just say that oh, you should su- supplement with L-carnitine because it helps you to transport you know fat across the membrane and you can burn it. And it's like oh, that's a very logical explanation. That sounds really simple, you know, in- intuitive and everything. And the average person is going to buy into that. But then, you know, again, it just fails to acknowledge the overall context. So when talking about things like supplements or any small nutritional change, you have to come back to the actual mechanisms. So if it's related to fat loss, you have to ask yourself, how does this impact the amount of calories I burn throughout the day? Or how does it impact my appetite? Or how does it, you know, or your, your desire to eat? Because it has to be impacting some of those things for it to actually drive you into a further energy deficit and hence potentiate fat loss you know caffeine is some is something you know that that a lot of people use when they're trying to lose fat because you know it generally encourages greater energy expenditure so it's like okay now we can see how caffeine acts to aid with you being in an energy deficit or maybe it suppresses your appetite and helps you to eat less again it's all through that lens of understanding the mechanism of the calorie deficit and how caffeine supports that but if you're not able to tie things clearly to the mechanisms that drive the adaptation you're looking for you should probably be questioning exactly why you are taking that supplement or making that dietary change yeah i agree with you gary if you could get everyone to understand the mechanism that would be awesome but obviously you know People are out there just normal people. Like they have jobs. They have. They're an accountant. They're an office worker. They're 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 not in the nutrition sphere or the training sphere. So it's quite it's quite easy to manipulate someone if it's just not true. Like if you, if if someone came up to you and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we've got to fix your pipes, and they came up with a load of scientific jargon around like fixing the pipes in your house. Like you could very easily be taken advantage of. As a result, you know, the pipes in your house could be fucking grand, but because they've given you this rationale and they're like, oh, the pipes over in Johnny's house over there needed to be fixed. You just blindly follow that, you know, because you're like, oh, well, fuck, like Johnny over there did it and, you know, his house is great now, you know, so I'm I'm, going to follow Johnny's lead and this guy telling me this, he's giving me this scientific jargon that I'm not really sure of, but these words, I've kind of heard them, I kind of know what they mean and, you know, like I looked it up and lipolysis, you know, it sounds good. And like, you know, all these kind of like all these terms, like you can definitely like the more, you know, as a scientist or in scientific language, the easier it would be to deceive someone that doesn't know scientific language, you know? So like, as you said, like you can make up these really outlandish claims and crouch it in science, like almost have real science, but not quite pseudoscience either. You know, it's, it's, it's in that kind of gray area between the two where it's like the stuff that you're saying is not necessarily wrong. You know, it, it, mechanistically, it kind of makes sense, but you're ignoring the, the broader context. And this, this is the kind of issue for, we'll call them the general population. You don't have that broader context because essentially you're getting your information from, you know, I know your, your GA trainer when you were 15 or whatever, or your your mother or your father or whatever it is that had a little bit of training in the army before, or whatever it is, you know, that's where they're getting their information from. And it's like this, 
obviously isn't giving you the best scientific grounding to analyze this information. And that's not to say that you can't, as a lay person, go out there and find out this information. But the fact of the matter is that you do actually have to do a lot more research yourself. So, Gary, if you had someone that they've been duped before, they've they've fallen victim to a random claim with a supplement or a dietary protocol or a training protocol, like how, how, how would you, what would you recommend? Right. Actually it's even better. We've got 16 year old Gary, right? What are we recommending to him so that he doesn't fall down the pitfalls of following this, whatever you want to call it, bad advice? Like what, what are you telling him? What are you telling the average person to look out for? And then how do they verify if, the information that's presented to them is correct. You know, it's just your general person. They just, they, they're not quite scientifically literate. They know a few words. They, they're in this health and fitness realm, but perhaps they don't have the time or the energy to go ahead and really research and dive deep with this kind of stuff. What do they do? Yeah, so like step one, I guess, would be to, if, if you're being sold something, that's always a red flag. Like not, not that you shouldn't buy things like we're all for fucking capitalism, but like, you know, you, what, what you shouldn't be, what you should, when you're buying something, anything that is, you know, whether it's in a shop or whether it's online coaching, whatever it is, you should be all automatically skeptical that this person wants your money. Like clearly they do. And they're going to be doing things to try and sell whatever it is to you. So you need to start asking questions. And obviously like, this is what this is about. We're trying to teach you how to ask questions. But what I would first ask is, you know, if, if you have got, if you've heard of other things, for example, like let's say, let's say it's a diet we're talking about and you kind of roughly understand that maybe calories matter. Like maybe you don't know that. And, and someone's telling you about the ketogenic diet, then what you then need to start doing is right. Ask the person, how is this different to, the same amount of calories on a low fat diet. Like that's one example. Like, and then, you know, you get them to explain and just see like how it sounds. Generally, you can tell if someone is, you know, maybe trying to trick you a little bit, if they're not able to break things down simply and simply just throw all of this science at you that doesn't actually explain things and that is largely unhelpful. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for being, for talking about sciencey things, really enjoy that. But at the end of the day, when we're giving people advice, it's, it's pretty simple. It's generally not complex stuff. Um, so yeah, it's really about looking out for, for pseudoscience, which is a very hard thing to do. I think if you're not really like into, maybe you don't, you don't read research or you're not aware of the topic in question. So you have to be looking for things that maybe, maybe don't tie together, maybe don't fit with the bigger picture. Like maybe if, if you, if you know that, let's say, if you let's just go back to the the calories thing if you know that you know calories does dry calories is the big predictor of fat loss and someone tries to sell you this really expensive supplement you have to try and ask all right what does that can, can you quantify the difference it's going to make and then from there when they quantify the difference if it sounds too good to be true it is like i would say it probably is but it's not even probably like it is like there's there's nothing in that you there's no real change that you can make in terms of supplementation nutrition or training especially if you're already doing a little bit of all those things that's going to be game changing and is going to completely change everything for you it just doesn't happen 
Um, so I would be looking out for those outlandish claims. Um, what would you be thinking? Because I, I think it is a difficult thing to tell to teach someone how to do unless you're really into the actual field. Yeah. So if like again, if I had that sixteen year old Gary, fifteen year old Gary, whatever it is, he's like, oh, like I see all these claims, I see all this, whatever. Like, who do I follow? Who do I trust? Like, if I would actually just even forget about getting the person selling you to explain it. Like, yes, you do need to do that at a certain stage because, you know, maybe they have a rationale and they you just have missed the context that they're giving. Like they're saying, oh, ketogenic diets are great. And you've just forgotten that they're saying in this population, you know, and you're just trying to extrapolate, does that apply to you? Because, you know, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but you don't have the lens to look at that. So I would just look around and ask other people that you trust within the fitness industry, like especially on like stuff like Instagram and stuff. Like I rarely go on Instagram these days, but you know, there's a lot of people on there putting out good information, you know, putting out worthwhile information. And maybe you don't follow them because they're not as big as your pro bodybuilder that you're like, oh, I want to look like big Ronnie, you know, maybe that's the case. But maybe you're like, okay, cool. I'm actually just going to ask around some of these famous YouTubers, Instagram people, and just ask them a quick question. What, what are your thoughts on X diet? You know, now they probably have products to sell. They probably have services to sell. So they're probably going to be somewhat biased if it goes against their narrative. But you can ask a few of them, see what they say, and then make a bit of a more informed decision. If you're like, okay, well, they're actually all saying that this is a fucking stupid idea. Like, don't do this. You know, then maybe it is a fucking stupid idea and you shouldn't do it. You know, maybe they are biased and maybe they're just trying to keep you back from getting the secret. But more often than not, it's because it's a stupid idea and you shouldn't be doing it, you know? So I would actually just encourage people to ask around, talk to other people in the health and fitness sphere, you know, ask them, X supplement, have you ever tried this? What are your thoughts on this? Does it work? Obviously, a quick Google search before you do that. Like, don't ask a question that, firstly, that person has answered a hundred times you know, you, you you just started following them that day and you haven't even looked through their posts and like, they're like, oh, well, literally I wrote a post on this like a week ago, like an entire post. Like, so like, don't do that. Like, don't ask quote unquote silly questions. Although there are obviously no silly questions. What I mean by that is if the question has been answered repeatedly by that person and they've gone to the effort of putting up a post about it or gone to the effort of making an infographic or whatever about it, like do a quick search of their Instagram page. Same with Google. Like before you start asking the questions, like literally hundreds of message boards, just type it in, be like ketogenic diet or I don't know, fucking hydroxycobalamin supplementation. Like what? Like look, look it up. Just look up quick Google search, see what people say, see if people are saying like, oh, there's these side effects or there's these precautions or like, especially like stuff like web med, like it's maybe not great, but it's maybe not fucking bad. You know, be like, okay, cool. It actually says I should avoid this if I fit into this category, which I do fit into this category. So I'm going to avoid it, you know? Um, so quick Google search. That's the first step. Just be like, okay, cool. What, what is the general consensus on Google? Like the first page of results, what's coming up, like type in whatever it is, ketogenic diet results, see what people are saying about it. Ketogenic diet, bad reviews, ketogenic diet, good reviews, type in a few of them, see what it says, see what people are complaining about, see what people are hyping up, you know, get a, get a general consensus of what everyone is saying. 
same with them going onto Instagram, YouTube, whatever it is. Ask a few people that you trust or you look up to, you see that you're like, oh, they have a good physique. They kind of know what you're talking about or it appears that they know what you're talking about. See what they say. Look, ask around. Like we have social media these days and that is the reason you're supposed to have social media to be social, not just to like, you know, be a voyeur and look at other people's content without ever interacting, like interact, you know? So ask them a question quick, either on their post or in a DM or whatever, just be like, what's your thoughts on this? You know, I know this about this because I've read this, but I'm just interested in your thoughts, you know? And don't just be like, uh, thoughts on zinc, you know, like don't, don't just be really, really condescending and like ask for someone's time because that's what you're doing. And then give no context. Like I could give you, hundreds of thoughts on zinc but like if you're giving me no context as to what it applies to like what are you trying to get from it like it's it's irrelevant you know like same way like again we keep going saying ketogenic diet but whatever yeah a ketogenic diet it's like thoughts on a ketogenic diet i can give you hundreds of thoughts for certain populations why it's an awesome diet i could also give you hundreds of thoughts why it would be a terrible diet for certain populations so like contextualize it if you're asking that question like who are you like how, how does it apply to you like what's your goals again thoughts on zinc supplementation i am you know 16 years old trying to put on muscle uh, i eat fairly well but i'm a vegetarian like give the context then people can give you more informed decision making options you know and then you can start looking and diving in a little bit deeper if you feel you haven't gotten a satisfactory answer from those people maybe it is just not confirming your bias and that's the reason but maybe it is confirming your bias and you're like okay cool this sounds good just do a quick google search on either google scholar or pubmed right and people will be like oh but you can't do that because you know they're not scientifically literate they don't know what the story is they don't know how to read research they don't know whatever but if you type in pubmed zinc you know you're going to get a or zinc supplementation you're going to get some review articles you're going to get some easy articles even just reading the abstract would be like okay cool this does not sound like these are the populations that i fit into if you're looking at all the studies and it's like these were all in old age people like you, that, that guy that was selling you the thing initially he was like oh we saw a 360 million percentage increase in testosterone and then you find that research article and it's like yeah this was in you know pre-men or post-menstrual if i could speak even post-menopausal women uh then maybe it doesn't apply to you you know so you do have to take that context into things so doing a quick pubmed search or doing a quick google scholar search will give you some extra context maybe you don't have the the thought processes or the capacity to actually dive deep in that but you'll be able to read some headings be able to read some abstracts and get a rough idea of what the science is saying and, and that's kind of what i would recommend to people to do now however i do realize that 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 takes a bit of time so i do, I do think that the, the google search and then asking some people that you trust by giving context as well is probably your best method of getting some good information without falling victim to bad information like i don't know maybe you do follow just terrible terrible people that all work for the same company and they're all selling the same product like it's definitely a possibility however the majority of people are going to follow a diverse range of people and asking them and seeing what they suggest is probably a good idea fuck yeah yeah i actually i enjoyed that little discussion i actually think you know i think we often like make people i don't i don't say we i think i think people in the industry in general like make people sound like they're completely dumb like we're like 
oh no 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 they 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 can't read research they don't need to understand science like most people can't do that and i'm like well you kind of can like it's it's not that difficult to just google like you said zinc pubmed and like read an article like even if it's just the abstract even if it's the introduction like granted you mightn't be the best at statistics or interpreting results or anything but you can still get a little bit out of it and it's good to generally educate yourself you know, especially if you're asking these questions, there's probably a reason that you want to know the answer. And, you know, I w- there's a lot of things that I wouldn't know a lot about, but I'm not just going to ask people to not tell me the information or not send me in the right direction because they think I'm maybe not able to read the information because I don't understand politics or I don't understand business or whatever. It's like, you're still you're you're a person if you like if you don't if you don't understand nutrition you are a blank canvas and you can go and learn about nutrition like it's still within your power so i wouldn't be just saying like oh no i don't i'm just not someone who can read science this person said that you know scientific literature was beyond my reach because you know you'll actually find that a lot of the research like a lot of research unless it's real mechanistic stuff like if it's a review or something like that you can actually get a lot from it without being very scientifically literal because the con- conclusion will say something like, for example, um, you know, pro- uh, a protein intake of somewhere between two and two and a half grams per kilo of body weight seems to ameliorate muscle loss during caloric restriction. It's like, okay, cool. Now I know that I can, I should eat that much protein if I'm dieting to minimize muscle loss. Boom, done. You know, a, a f- five minute read of the abstract and conclusion and you get that out of the paper. OK, so if you if you've never read science, scientific research before because you think it's intimidating, look again. Like you, to be fair, if you do go and look at like some real like mechanistic paper that discusses, I don't know, like metabolic pathways or the true mechanisms of hypertrophy at a cellular level, then. All right. Yeah, that's going to be a bit messy. But like, especially when it comes to training, like. I've, I've got a good few like of the the kind of common like training papers that people t- people talk about you know a lot of brad schoenfeld stuff printed off up in my room and like i could probably hand them to my sister and she'd probably make a good attempt at reading them because they're not like they're not overly complicated it's like they're talking about repetition ranges they're talking about numbers of sets they're talking about repetition tempos and sure there might be some words in there that maybe you don't understand but ultimately, it's still probably within your reach. So don't shelter yourself too much from science because it is, I think, more accessible than you think, especially with so many websites out now that make things, you know, helpful, <clears throat> the triage militia, uh, but also, you know, even things like examine.com. Um, there was another website I came across recently that actually is quite good as well. SciFit.net, I think it is. Um, I don't know. If, I, I think it's just a lot of different contributors that write articles and they like, they peer it's like an informal way of like peer reviewing articles and stuff but it's quite good um so there are places to look you just need to be willing to look and not just message someone on instagram and say thoughts on x because i'm like i always respond i'm like yes i have lots of thoughts you know <laughs> and then obviously give an answer but still it, it's just it's not helpful for you or the person you're asking hmm. so we've talked about it before but I want to give people coming away from this some sort of little snippet of information. Training-wise, what are we looking at as a kind of middle-of-the-ground, mid-range kind of do this for your training and don't get duped into random exercises? And then we'll talk about diet and maybe supplementation as well. So fucking 
average person, average Joe, works a job, nine to five, training program, what should they be kind of looking for from that? Dun, dun, dun. Okay, you're probably going to be looking at something around, right? If we look at number of sets, okay, you're probably looking at five to 10 sets, one to two times per week per muscle group. And if it's two times per week, you're going to be at the lower end of that set range. And if it's once per week, you're probably going to be somewhere towards the higher end. Can you get away with a little bit yet less, you know, if you're doing twice per week? Absolutely. Um, but you know, that's just a very rough range. Um, in terms of repetition ranges, you're going to be looking at like generally six to 15 repetitions for the majority of your training, sometimes below, sometimes above, but the majority of the training is probably, probably going to be in those ranges. Um, what else would we be looking at in terms of training to failure? You're probably going to want to be training pretty close to failure, like within, I would say if, if you're very advanced, somewhere between one to three repetitions from failure, because you're probably at a point where you actually know where failure is. If you're a beginner, going a bit closer to what you perceive to be failure is probably helpful just because, you know, it's been shown in the research that people completely underestimate where their failure point is by as much as like five plus repetitions. Um, so the, there's a big difference in what people think failure is and what it actually is. And we have to keep in mind that it is those latter reps, as bro sciencey as it is, those latter reps where the bar is slowing down in velocity and you're really challenging your muscles to apply a maximal force, they're the ones that really contribute to your hypertrophy, you know, especially if you don't want to be doing like a million sets. Um, and in terms of exercises then, you're generally going to be looking at two to three exercises per body part. Most of the time, that's going to be enough. You know, it, it might even be one for arms. It might even, you know, maybe you might go up to four the odd time if you have a very specific goal. But like I've come across so many programs recently where people are doing like four to like literally eight exercises per body part per week. And I'm like, you know, so many of these exercises are the exact same. They're just on different machines or they're just using different pieces of equipment. But fundamentally, they're the exact same in what they're doing to your muscles. So I would say they're the broad things that you should be looking for. And then somewhere between three to five days of training per week for most people. Like, do some of you need six days? Maybe, probably not. Would you like to do six days and make your training sessions much, much shorter? Maybe, that's a, that's an appropriate approach. But you know, I've come across people recently who are doing six days a week, two hour training sessions, and literally one guy the last day who was doing 60 sets in his workout. And I was like, dude, like what? <laughs> so they're kind of the broad things you should be looking for. Like maybe you think that one of those recommendations I just made are wrong in some specific context. But remember, this is general information. So what would you then be saying in terms of nutrition advice? What are we looking for for something to be correct? Yeah, with all that uh, training stuff, bang on. I couldn't agree more with that. And people do kind of lose running themselves because – most people will eventually find training to be fun rather than a chore. Now, some people obviously do find it a chore. Even people that you wouldn't think of it would find it a chore, like these Instagram stars or whatever. Some of them actually view training as a bit of a chore these days. But yeah, people do find training to be quite fun, so they want to do more when realistically that's not going to get them the best results. So with nutrition, it run of the mill, average person, first thing, if you can, if you can get the buy-in, I would start tracking calories, like at least see where you are with calories. So 
foundation of your diet is controlling calories. Now, whether you do that through making certain food selections, I don't mind, but the majority of the time, we need to do something that's going to help you control for calories. So working out your calorie levels, working out your your basal calorie needs, like what you need to just maintain your body weight, including all your meat and all that kind of stuff, like we've talked about it before, finding out what calorie level you need to do to maintain your body weight, and then making adjustments from there. You know, we've talked about it on our website, on our on our uh, group as well, like finding out what calorie needs you have, starting as that as a start point, and then either reducing your calories a little bit if you want to lose weight, you know, maybe less than 300 calories. And again, if you want to gain weight, maybe just below 300 calories to gain weight, you know, so that's your foundation, finding out what calorie needs you have, and then adjusting from there, you know, and making slow adjustments, not just going, oh, well, I didn't lose a kilo today, so I'm going to slash out a thousand calories. Like, obviously, that is a silly adjustment to make. You want to look at things over the long term. So set up your foundation of your diet with calories in mind, but don't forget the other stuff that's important, which is also like food selection. So don't just go, oh, yeah, my calories are X, so I can just eat whatever as long as I hit my calories. Like, well, yes, that is true to an extent. It doesn't take into account the entire argument. So I would really try to dial in the the food choices you make and i'm I'm not going to make some fucking really obscure like oh eat these kind of foods like just eat quote-unquote clean foods like real foods you're going to be good for the majority of things yes you can fit a little bit of junk in there yes you can fit a little bit of quote-unquote unclean foods but the majority of time you want to be sticking to veggies meat and you know healthy sources of fat healthy sources of carbohydrate you know so that's all you need to do with calories and food selection. And then obviously we want to dial in different macronutrients to really help you with your overall thing. So protein wise, you know, I always get this one wrong and Gary always gives out to me, but I do believe it is two to three grams per kilogram uh, of protein um, as a, as a goal for your kind of protein target. So somewhere in that range, if you want to get that really nitty gritty with it, somewhere in that range is pretty good higher if you're dieting, lower if you're gaining, you're good to go with that. Fat then, somewhere in the range of 0.6 to 1 gram, maybe even 1.2 grams per kilo, somewhere in that range, you're good to go. Have the rest as carbohydrates, you know? So we can get into fiber, we can get into water, we can get into a whole load of other things, but that's kind of the baseline of your diet. Dial in the calories you need, adjust up or down from there, dial in food selection, then dial in the macronutrient amounts that you need you know that's going to sort you out for the vast majority of things now yes you can play around with those macronutrient ratios and be like "Mm, yeah i actually like a little bit of a higher fat diet or yeah "Mm, i actually like a little bit of a higher carb diet i actually like eating on the the higher protein side of things or lower protein side of things whatever it is that's cool but as long as you have a framework that you're like oh i'm actually tracking protein i'm actually tracking macros calories and i actually know roughly where i am with everything then that's perfectly fine and this also extends to supplementation like first look at it like what do you actually need what's what's sufficient in your diet maybe it is you're like i'm not really focusing a huge amount on the nutrient density because i just don't have the budget for it you're you're focusing on eating stuff that you know maybe it isn't the highest quality but it's all you can afford right now so maybe getting some high quality multivitamin in would be a good idea you know same with any other supplements you're thinking of think taking like what are you looking to get from it look at the research around that if that is actually supported look at what other people are saying around that is that actually supported like again like we were talking about like testosterone like why do you need to 
boost your testosterone? Is it actually uh, a low testosterone or a testosterone deficiency you have? Have you spoken to your doctor about it? Have you gone through all these things? Do you have blood work to show it? Like just taking a random testosterone booster and being like, oh yeah, this is going to work and give me extra amount of gains. Like it's ridiculous. Like you could already have super high testosterone as it is, you know, so taking this is going to literally do nothing except make your piss, you know, expensive. So do take that into account. Whatever supplements you're looking to take, have a go at deciphering what are you actually trying to achieve with these? Like not just blindly following the recommendation that, oh, take creatine to, you know, build muscle. It's like, what, what, what is it doing? Like why, why should you as an individual take creatine? Maybe all you eat is red meat. Maybe extra creatine is going to be useless for you. But then again, maybe you're a vegetarian and maybe creatine is going to be a godsend and help you pack on muscle, you know? So it does have context around it and all the supplements Like we could go in and do an entire podcast on every single supplement you could potentially possibly ever think of taking. And I don't think that would actually be useful because it's not going to, it's not going to answer everyone's question with regard to that. So you do have to take into account that you are going to have to look at what you're trying to achieve, what that supplement is contributing to helping you achieve that, and then deciding whether it is something you should be taking. And nine times out of 10, it's something you should just leave on the shelf, you know? I agree. And I think, I think supplementation is the, the, the most obvious one because, you know, we can argue that there are certain nutritional changes or training changes that maybe really enhance like your adherence or enjoyment of the process and that therefore do make an indirect like big difference but when it comes to supplements unless you have an actual deficiency or insufficiency or some sort of condition that makes you need more of a certain micronutrient or whatever some sort of lifestyle reason maybe you train loads and you need more electrolytes or something like unless you have a very specific reason it's unlikely you're going to see massive benefits from actual from supplementation especially in terms of like what you actually feel like you know you might you might get a if you have let's say like very low vitamin x in your blood or whatever and you see that on a blood test and then you go and you supplement with that then you could see a a very big difference and, and it's something that you can see objectively in that test but if you're just the average person you're covering your bases with good, good quality nutrition is taking i don't know bacopa manera or however you pronounce it is that going to be a massive thing that you notice a big difference with like probably not like you know and this is one of the reasons that we're kind of somewhat hesitant in putting out information about supplements is because people actually trust us quite a bit with information and therefore when we put out stuff about supplements everyone's immediately like tagging their friends and they're like oh we got to get this and it's like oh fuck like you know you missed the kind of context here like one of the things was that we posted about before was ashwagandha and it's like yeah you know there is research to support that it's utility and like if you look at the mechanisms like it makes sense but at the end of the day like you know people are looking for ashwagandha to clear all of their stresses and worries in life when they're not actually dealing with the shit that's on their plate. They're not actually organizing their life, getting their shit together and, you know, actually getting shit done so that they're not as stressed in the first place. And it's like no stress management supplement is going to solve the problems that you are creating in your own life. So it's not necessarily going to be a massive difference unless somehow by supplementing by ashwagandha or rhodiola or whatever, if that gives you that extra kick up the arse to then get your life together maybe that will be a big difference but that tends to be how, how a lot of supplements kind of end up acting 
you know, even creatine sometimes, like a lot of, uh, like creatine is something that, that has been shown, you know, time and time again to, to lead to good outcomes. But I think a lot of people also fall into the trap of, you know, they take their creatine pre-workout and if they don't, they're almost like, oh shit, I forgot to take my creatine. And they can't, they kind of like nocebo themselves and stop themselves from training at their best because they feel like the creatine was was actually additive. And I think pre-workouts are another are probably the biggest example of this where people feel like beta alanine working and they feel the sort of, you know, tingling. And there's some other ingredients like niacin that can have some effects like that as well. And when they feel that that pre-workout working, they feel some sort of sensation, they ultimately feel like they're a fucking savage ready to go in and rip barbells out of the floor, you know, just because they've got that feeling that something is going on within their body. So even though like beta alanine is not necessarily going to increase your strength meaningfully, it may just give you the feeling that that then leads you to feel like I am now ready to train. So, you know, placebo is massive with supplementation. So I would be very clear on understanding the mechanisms there um, and deciphering, you know, what's useful and what's not, because a lot of supplements are expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, That's pretty much we're at the hour mark, Gary. We've talked a load of shite. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Have you anything else to say to your adoring public? Um, oh, I wish we recorded this. Um, is it tomorrow or the day after? It's April Fool's Day. We the day after. No, it is just tomorrow. Maybe we could have just trolled the shit out of everyone and just fucking had a massive fight on here or something. <laughs> started calling each other fucking. Started saying each other had like big, big fucking heads or something like that. Like you know, and just real harsh stuff. Real harsh, yeah. yeah. All right, big heads. I do have a massive head. Thanks. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I have nothing else to add. Gary, do we have anything else coming up in the next while? I know the militia is lit these days. Um, we've actually had some good discussions in there this week because I keep track of all that stuff and do a weekly review. And like I have like 20 fucking straight up fire questions ready to drop tomorrow. Um, but yeah, anything, anything we have coming up? I know you're still on placement. How's that going? Um, Ah, it's going good you know week two down week three next week seven weeks in total it's too easy it's going fast um but yeah the militia was fucking lit this week man we talk about the weirdest things we talked about fermented foods we talked about chronic obstructive pulmonary disease we talked about fucking metatarsophalangeal joint sprains it's like you never know what's going to come up in the militia so you guys got to get your ass in there um wait what you mean well obviously they're, they're they're already in there yeah You'd hardly listen to the podcast and not be in the militia. It just makes no sense. Anyway. But anyway. Do you have anything else to say? No? Nah, I don't. Just fucking, just don't be a whiny little bitch this week and fucking crush everyone your way. It's too easy. Be a savage. Right. Peace out.